I want to thank Brianna for leading worship these weeks while Logan is taking some time away. If you didn't know, Logan and Amy had a baby, and so I uh, give them some space. Uh, they have four boys under three, so you know how to pray for them now. So uh, later this summer, Cindy and I will be taking our, our vacation trip, uh, going to the beach, which is where we typically uh, go. We'll be there with some of our kids and some of our grandkids. Right now, we haven't quite decided whether we're going to drive or fly. Can't decide if we want to pay $6 for gas or deal with the airports, but uh, we'll probably drive. That's what we typically do. On our drive, we will see a lot of signs, right? And some of them will be warning signs, signs like slow down because of a curve or road construction. Hope not too much road construction. Uh, We will see signs that say, do not pass, signs that say, stop. We will see signs that say bridge ices before roadway, which really doesn't matter during the summertime, but it's still a warning sign that's out there. Once we're at the beach, we'll see signs, depending on what the ocean and weather conditions are, could be signs like uh, dangerous surf or riptides, lifeguard not on duty, those kinds of signs, a lot of warning signs. Some of you will uh, maybe be in the mountains or a national park this summer, and you'll see signs there as well. You might see signs like... uh, Uh, danger, wildlife, right? Bears on trail or stay back from the wildlife, um, fire risk, danger, those kinds of things. There's just warning signs all over the place. These signs, slow down, stay out, stay back, stop, avoid this area, caution. If you put them all together, it can sound like someone's trying to be really restrictive to our lives, right? But the reality is they're all meant to keep us and others safe. They're meant to protect life. So we come to our passage today. Paul is giving some warnings, some warnings about false teachers, specifically warnings about the errors of their teaching. And Paul gives these warnings not to make life restrictive, but to make sure that we continue to walk in all of the freedom and all of the joy that is to be ours through our life found in Jesus Christ. He's going to warn about three errors, particularly in this passage. And in each case, he's going to answer it with Christ. Christ is the answer. So today we're looking at uh, Colossians 2, 16 to 23. And before we look at it, I would like to read the whole passage. It says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God." If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings? These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This is God's word. So let's look at uh, the errors and the answers 
that Paul gives. The first one is the answer to legalism is the reality is found in Christ. The answer to legalism is that the reality is found in Christ. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. And so he's, he's making a conclusion, therefore, right? Therefore, um, it's flowing out of the preceding passage where he has described what Christ has done for the Colossians, that, that in Christ the Colossians have been made complete. They have been buried and raised with Christ. They have been made alive in him. Paul has argued for the complete sufficiency of Christ. He's argued that they have everything in Christ. And so because that's true, let no one pass judgment on you in matters related to Old Testament dietary laws or in matters related to the observance of special religious days. With the coming of Christ, the Old Testament laws around food and drink, the, the Old Testament instructions about observing certain annual, monthly, weekly days, they're no longer valid. These were things for the people of God in the Old Testament, living in the land, but these rules no longer apply to believers in the New Testament age. And the false teachers, they were judging the Colossians based around these kinds of things. The, the false teachers were a mix of Jew, Judaism and, and, and kind of mixing other things, but, but there were aspects of it that were very much coming out of a Jewish background. And they were judging the Colossians standing with God based on these things. And so if the Colossians care about the opinion of the false teachers, they're at risk in walking in these things. They're at risk in walking in legalism. They're at risk of going back to a life of trying to, to kind of live out their, their Christianity through these external rules that God didn't intend for them in the new covenant. Paul's answer to this is that the reality is found in Christ. Verse 17, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance, the substance belongs to Christ. When these Jewish regulations about food and drink and observing special days were given, they, they, were, they had their place, they had a purpose, they pointed to something, they pointed to things to come, they pointed to Christ and the New Testament era, but since Christ has now come, believers uh, experience the reality of what those shadows hinted at. They experience the reality of what those things pointed to. And that's Christ. The substance belongs to Christ. He is the true fulfillment of what the shadows pointed to. And so why would you get wrapped up in the shadows when the real thing is here, when the real thing has come? The substance belongs to Christ. It's a warning about legalists. Now, we may not have uh, people around trying to compel you to follow Old Testament laws, but there are people that are legalists that, that try and, and want to put pressure on you to, to, to have you live out your Christian faith in a certain way according to things that do not necessarily apply to you. So you may have those that will judge you if you do not uh, read your Bible as often, if you don't read your Bible as long as they do, if you don't read the right translation of the Bible, they may judge you. If you don't pray in a certain way, they may uh, judge you if you don't discipline your children the way they think you should. They may judge you if you don't educate your children in the way that they think you should. 
Legalists have a list of things that you must do or must not do, and if you don't follow their list, then they would judge your relationship with God. And, and Paul's saying we, we must not give in to this. Now, obviously God cares about how we live, right? I mean, there are commandments, there are instructions that, that, that are to be followed. That's where Paul's going to go in, in Colossians 3 and Colossians 4. But what legalists do is they go beyond and they add to biblical instructions. They make their own personal application of timeless truths, you know, binding on everyone. And that's legalism. Sometimes these may be people we actually care about what they think for one reason or another. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's someone that has been instrumental in our lives spiritually at some point along the journey. And so we might feel real pressure by their opinions. But Paul's saying, don't let anyone judge you related to these things, legalistic practices that, 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 that are not currently for us. Don't give in to legalism because the reality is found in Christ. True life is found in Him, in Him alone. The second error that Paul addresses is misguided spiritual experiences. He says the answer to misguided spiritual experiences is your true connection to Christ. Verse 18, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. To disqualify as a sense of, you know, to, to condemn or to pass judgment on, it's very similar to let no one judge in verse 16, but it's, it's a stronger command. Again, he's saying the Colossians must not let false teachers call into question their standing with God because they don't follow their misguided spiritual practices and experiences. These false teachers, Paul says, they insist on asceticism and the worship of angels. And it's possible that asceticism there was, was a, a practices that, that they did, some kind of harsh treatment of the body in preparation to worship angels. They were worshiping angels. They were compelling them to worship angels angels. They were worshiping the created, not the creator. And out of their worship, it says, they go on and on and on and on about the visions that they have seen. It's an interesting thing. Like For them, they, they had these visions, and, and it, it says their minds were puffed up. It led to arrogance. But I think Scripture is pretty clear that when we actually encounter God, when we actually experience God, it produces a very different result in us. It produces humility when we really experience God. But these, out of these visions that they, they want on and on about, it says they're puffed up, their minds are sensuous or fleshly. They have minds that are oriented to the things of the world. Paul commands the Colossians to not let the false teachers condemn them for not following their misguided spiritual experiences. They're misguided, Paul says, because they don't hold fast to the head, Christ. Verse 19, he says, And not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. The fact that Paul says that they, they're not holding fast to the head seems to indicate that at one time, they did hold fast, and they are no longer are holding fast, which, which would maybe indicate that these were people that had been part of their faith community, that had been part of the church, which may also 
suggests why they felt pressure from these people. They knew them. They had some history with them. And not holding fast to the head, the false teachers were disconnecting from the truth, from the source of true spiritual growth. Paul's using the metaphor of the body, right? Head and, and body. He uses this illustration a lot to describe the nature of the church and our connection to Christ. So Christ is the head. He's the authority over the church. He's the source of everything we need for spiritual life. And when the church, the body, is rightly connected to the head, it, he says it grows with a growth that is from God. And, and when he talks about the body is nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, he's pointing out how when, when the various members of the body, i.e. us, when, we, when we're connected rightly, when we're in, walking in unity, that's when we experience this growth that is from God. That's how God designed the body to function. It grows as we walk in unity, but the source is God, right? God is the source of true growth. The false teachers and their pressure to, to follow them and their misguided spiritual experiences that were not focused on Christ, they threatened this growth if the Colossians would follow them into their practices. Their practices drew tension away from Christ. Their practices which led to arrogance was disruptive to the unity that was essential for growth in Christ. So don't let them put pressure on you to follow them in these misguided spiritual experiences. Now, we live in a day where there are plenty of spiritual experiences going on out there, and there are people who want to kind of put pressure on us or, or, or just like just by the sheer volume of kind of spiritual things that come to us. There can be pressure to pursue things that, that distract from focusing on Christ, right? There could be some that, that have the roots, you know, come, come from Christians. Uh, I remember when I was in our, our earlier days of ministry and ministering on campus, I don't think this is such a big deal anymore. But 25, 30 years ago, I remember how, like, people that would put pressure on others, if, if you don't speak in, spirit, in tongues, that you have a spiritual problem. And so spirit, uh, tongues is a gift that God gives to some, but not to everyone. But there would be, the, there would be some that believe that unless you speak in tongues that you have a, a secondary experience of God. You have a second-rate spiritual experience. You have an insufficient experience of the Spirit of God in, in you, and they would compel you. I remember situations, people putting pressure on another person to, to speak in tongues and spending hours and hours with them to have that experience. That's a misguided spiritual experience that detracts from Christ, right? I don't think it's as big a deal anymore, but, but it's an example of that kind of thing. There might be those who would look at how you experience God in worship, and if you don't have the same kind of emotional experience they do in worship, they might judge you for that, that it's insufficient, that, that you don't worship with the same emotion that they do. Obviously, there's a whole other category of misguided spiritual experiences that are from people that are spiritual but not Christian, right? I mean, uh, worshiping nature, finding the highest reality within oneself. I mean, we, we swim in a world that is putting those kind of things in front of us all the time. Misguided spiritual experiences. Paul's point is that any spiritual experience that's not connected to Christ, any spiritual experience that doesn't help us draw close to Christ, it's misguided. It's misguided. It's not helpful. And so stay connected to Jesus. Stay close to Him. 
For it's only in our connection to Jesus that we experience true spiritual growth. And it's as we do that together as the body of Christ that we experience a growth that is from God. The answer to legalism is that the reality is found in Christ. The answer to the error of misguided spiritual experiences is our true connection to Christ. And finally, the answer to asceticism is our position in Christ. We are in Christ. Verse 20, he says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Paul writes this in a way that he's not doubting that they died with Christ. He's, he's putting it this way. I mean, it, it's understood to be true that they have died with Christ, but he puts this in a way to cause them to, to ask a question, right? And the, the question he's asking for them is, since it's true that they've died to the elemental spirits of the world, why do you live as if you're still alive to these forces? That's his question. It seems that the false teachers were putting forth a set of practices, ascetic practices, rules that involve some kind of harsh treatment of the body to appease the spiritual forces of the world. Rules like do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. And, and the way that Paul writes these short, pithy commands probably suggests he's, he's illustrating the, the kinds of commands that they give. Paul's question to the Colossians is that since they had died to Christ, since they had experienced the reality of everything his death has accomplished for them, why do you submit to these man-made regulations? Why? In the second half of verse 22, he says, they are according to human precepts and teachings. That's what he calls these rules. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. They're, they're human precepts. They're human teachings. They are not from God. You notice in the first half of verse 22, there's a parenthesis in the English Standard Version, also the New American Standard it says, referring to things that all perish as they are used. By that, he's talking about the, when, you, when you eat food, when you, you know, those ascetic practices and, and you eat food, they, they perish with the use, right? They, 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 they perish once they're used. In verse 23, Paul makes this final statement about these human precepts and teachings. He says, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Flesh refers to the bent within fallen humanity towards the world, towards self. It's, it's sinful human nature. And it is a problem that needs to be dealt with. But asceticism is not the way. These things, he says, they have an appearance of wisdom but they don't get to the essence of what really matters, the things that actually change our heart and mind and lead us into holiness. What works is our union with Christ. The Colossians are in Christ. That's who they are positionally. They are in Christ. They have died with Him. Back in verse 12, Paul says that they had been buried with Him in baptism. He says they were raised up with Him through the powerful working of God. In 12.13, he says they are alive together with Christ. They are in him. They are united to him. That is their position in Christ. And it's that position of being united to Christ that's effective against the flesh for them and for us. 
It's through our union with Christ that we put off sins of the flesh and put on godly character. Every one of us is in this battle. Every one of us is in this battle with the flesh. That, that will continue until the day we die or until Jesus returns, right? And we're not to be passive in this battle. It's going to be very clear. Uh, Paul is going to give commands in the next chapter about putting off sinful things that the flesh manifests, things like sexual immorality, impurity, anger, malice, slander, and many other such things. He's going to give us commands to put on godly traits, and so the flesh must be dealt with. But we don't do it with things that have the appearance of wisdom, man-made rules and regulations. It's through our union with Christ that this transformation happens. Now, let me clarify one thing. There are spiritual practices that, that we advocate and we talk about a lot. Uh, we do talk about fasting. We've practiced 21 days of prayer and fasting. And, uh, you know, we, we encourage things like that. Fasting, serving, confession, worship, Bible reading, prayer, and many other spiritual practices as tools to see our lives changed. And, and God does use these things. Uh, that has been the kind of the, the story of Christians down through the ages, these spiritual practices. But I believe they become useless. They become man-made regulations if we think it's in those practices alone that the change happens. Like, like I'm earning something from God. I'm in a better standing because I read my Bible a lot, or I pray a lot, or I fast a lot. That, that's a, a man-made view of those things. They are useful, and they are helpful, and they actually have real wisdom to the extent that we use these as tools to open ourselves up to God, as, to open, you know, kind of to seek God. That, then it's a tool that God uses. But if it's in the practice alone, then, then it's... Then it's it's, it's, it's worthless, right? It, it doesn't get us anything, but, but they're useful to open ourselves up to God. But it's our union with Christ. It's in the life that we have with Christ that changes us. Errors and answers. And uh, Paul talks about three. We, we live in a world where there's a lot more errors out there, but uh, his answer is, is Christ, right? The answer to the error of legalism is that the reality and the substance belongs to Christ, the air of misguided spiritual experiences is staying in true connection to Christ. Hold on to Him. The answer to the air of asceticism is knowing that it's, it's our, in our position in Christ that our lives are truly changed. Regardless of the error, the answer is Christ. It's our relationship with Christ. If you've been here very long, if you were here for Kelly, given the welcome this morning, she talked about our mission to, to make disciples of Jesus who Love God, love one another, and love our neighbors. Um, a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is a student. A disciple is a learner. And, and we want to be explicitly clear that we are seeking to make disciples, learners, followers, students of Jesus. Not disciples of Faith Evangelical Free Church. Not disciples of Steve or Brian or Sam or anybody else. We want to have people walking as disciples of Jesus because it's Jesus that, 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 that growth comes from him. He is the authority. He is the source of life. He is the one who changes us. And so our heart for every one of you is that you would follow Jesus, that you would understand he is the substance. He is the reality. He is the substance of all that matters. He is the head. He's our authority. He's the source from which true spiritual life 
flows. Hold fast to Him. Stay connected to Him. Stay close to Him. Refuse anything that doesn't, isn't centered on Christ. Refuse anything that doesn't help you grow close to Christ. And let's do this together because the body grows with a growth from God when we do this in unity. Understand that as a believer in Jesus, you are united with Him. In your position in Christ, you have been dead, buried, and raised to new life. And it's because of that union with Christ, your life grows and changes and is conformed to Christ. The answer is Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. Can you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the warnings of this passage. Uh, we thank you for the things that Paul addressed in, in the context of the church in Colossae. God, thank you that, uh, that that's just driven home over and over again that the answer is Christ. As we live in this, this world where there's a lot of mixed messages and distorted messages about, about uh, spiritual things, God, would you help us to, to hold fast to the head, hold fast to Christ, help us to continue to look to him and to trust him and, and draw close to him. May we as individuals, may we as a church grow with a growth that is found through our connection to Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.